Genesis 28, 12. Genesis 28, verse 12. And it says, and he dreamed, and this is talking about Jacob, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above the ladder, stood above it, and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, and went on to talk to Jacob about some things. But I wanted you to see the part about there was a ladder from heaven to earth. Angels were ascending and descending on that ladder. And God was standing up on the top of the ladder. Can you see into two dimensions this level and see another dimension? Can you see that with the eyes of your heart and see a ladder going up? Can you see that? I can see that in my heart just as plain and see angels ascending and descending on that ladder. And Jacob being a not a born again man, he couldn't go up the ladder. He couldn't go there. He had to just stay in this dimension. But we are born again men and women of God and we can look over into that realm. And we need to be looking. We need to be seeing. God wants to show us some things. We've got to quit being our feet so bogged down in the earth realm, in this earthly mud. And God wants you to see into that realm, that heaven, that heaven realm. Turn to Revelation chapter 4 verse 1. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Come up hither. And God wants us to come up hither, and God wants to show us things. Not just John the Revelator, not just Brother Hagen, because one time I remember in his meeting in Rockwall, Texas, I believe, he was praying in the meeting on the stage, all of a sudden he heard a voice said, come up hither. God doesn't want just Brother Hagen to come up hither. He wants us to come up hither. And you don't have to have an invitation. You are born again. You can go by your faith and begin to come to a place where you can begin to fellowship with God and see into things that you won't see. If you are so earthly minded, you are no heavenly good. Hallelujah. You know, we used to hear that when we first got filled with Spirit. Oh, they're so heavenly minded. They're no earthly good. I think that, I think that's a crock. I believe that there's more danger in us being so earthly minded. We are no heavenly good to God. We aren't worth anything to God because we are so in tune and bound to this old world. Turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse uh, 12. Paul speaking, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There's about three words there that really stand out to me and impress me is press. I press towards the mark for the prize, the prize. I tell you, I want the prize. I want the prize, folks. Do you want the prize or do you just want to be an earthling? Do you just want to have your feet in this old earth or do you want the prize? I want the prize and I believe that you want the prize. I believe if you start wanting the prize, the people around you, I believe it's contagious. They'll start wanting the prize. One version says the upward calling, the upward calling reminds me of that ladder. Hallelujah. The 
upward calling. We're called upward. We're called to go higher, to go to higher places in God. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're not called downward. We're called upward. Hallelujah. We're getting bolder. I want a supernatural boldness. Matthew 20, 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. Worshiping him and desiring something from him. I think that's how we are right now. We're worshiping him and we are desiring something from him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? What do you want? And she saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit the one on the right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We are able. And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. I want you to notice something. I've always been kind of ticked at this lady. I've been kind of mad at her. It's like, how dare you? That is just... But did you know Jesus did not get on to her? He did not get on to her for asking for big things. It says she worshipped him and she desired something. And you know what? I ask things big for my sons too. And she asked something big for her sons. And Jesus asked her, asked, well, can you pay the price? And they said, yes, we can. And you know what? He agreed with them. He said, yeah, you will. You'll pay the price. You can. He said, you will pay it. And he said, but I cannot give that to you because that's in the Father's control who gets those seats in heaven. But he did not get on to her. And did not rebuke her. Tonight I'm going to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about knowing Him. I want to talk to us tonight, and myself included, about knowing Him. And I want to ask you tonight, this is what the Holy Spirit wants me to ask you, how close do you want to sit? How close do you really want to sit to Jesus when we get to heaven? You know, there are going to be people in heaven sitting and enjoying different places. Oh man, this is a worldly mentality that we have. It's all in our government and we even kind of have it, even though we don't mean to, but it's just so prevalent that all oh, we're all equal. Everybody deserves the same thing. And that's what we're trying to do, get everybody the same thing. And if they had their way, they'd take all the money away from the rich and they'd just divide it equally. Everybody in the world have $9,000. I read that. If we divide all the money in the world equally, we'd all have $9,000. But see, God's system just does not work that way. God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That's just completely anti-God. And so sometimes we kind of think that way about heaven. Well, it don't matter if you just get in by the skin of your teeth. Man, you just get in as if by fire, like they say. Once we get there, it's all just going to equal out. It's all just going to be equal. Everybody's going to be the same. But you know that's really not true. So how close do you want to sit? And I'm going to tell you how to sit close, okay? And it may surprise you. There are going to be people in heaven. Turn to Revelation 20, verse 6. I'll show you something just interesting. Revelation 20, verse 6. And then we're going to go to Hebrews 11:35. after that. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So right there is a distinction. I really don't understand everything about that. 
but I can see right there from what he says that there is a first resurrection. How many of you want to be in on the first resurrection? I want to be on the first train out, don't y'all? Hallelujah. Glory to God. I mean, stick around if you want to, but I want to be on the first train out. I want to be in the first resurrection because it's the people that are in the first resurrection that are going to rule and reign with Christ during the millennial, that 1,000 year reign. Amen. That's exactly what it says. Hebrews 11, 35. Women received their dead raised to life again and others were tortured. Now this is the Faith Hall of Fame here. He's talking about people in faith. The women received their dead raised to life again and others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. A better resurrection. So it seems to me that the Lord's saying that there was people that went to a different level and get a better resurrection. That there's different resurrections. Let's turn to Luke 22:30. Let's start in 29. Jesus talking, and I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Hallelujah. There's going to be some that are going to get to sit at His table. And they're going to be judging the 12 tribes of Israel. The degree of our relationship with Jesus in the next life will be measured by the degree of our relationship with Him in this life. And let me say it another way. You're going to enter heaven at the same level that you exit earth. You're going to enter heaven at the same level that you exit earth. So, oh my, how important our earth life is. How important it is. Because we're going to enter heaven at that level. Now, not that we're going to stay there in heaven, but we're going to enter heaven at the same level that we exit earth. I think some people think that we're going to enter heaven and all of a sudden... Oh man, we're going to be, we hadn't done really anything on earth, but we're going to be a spiritual giant. Man, we're going to know the whole Bible inside and out, have it, you know, just quote it verbatim. Every house is going to be exactly the same. Your mansion looks like my mansion. I don't think so. I don't think so. And I know that, that there were going to be people that when they enter heaven, that they're going to have to start going to school. Some are going to get enrolled in pre-K. They're Christians, they made it, but they're going to go to pre-K. And there's some going to go to K and, you know, so forth, all the way up to 12. Some will be in junior college. Some will be at the university. And this is not based on what degree you had in earth, but it's going to be based on relationship with Jesus and how much you know Him. Hallelujah. Not even how much words you have memorized. Not even how much works you did. This isn't going to be based on works. It's going to be on knowing Him. And we want to talk about knowing Him. Philippians 3.10. Paul said this. I want this to just burn in us. You know, the church is about to get a new passion. The whole wide world church is about to get a new passion. There's going to come a glory in the church. But even then, people are going to respond to it different. The What we do now... We have a glory now, but I believe there's going to be such a great increase of the glory. But how we're functioning with the glory now will depend even how we enter in to that next move of God, that next level of glory. Philippians 3.10, I don't want to be playing catch up all the time. It says that I may know Him, Paul said, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. 
and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, that I may know him. That is our passion right now, that I may know him. Jesus wanted to change the mindset of the disciples from servants to friends. John 15. Sometimes in the church, we get a servant mentality. And we are just serve, serve, serve. John 15, verse 14. He said, Ye are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. So Jesus wanted them to change from a servant mentality to a friend mentality. And a friend is close. And that's what he's looking for. Servants are real distant from the people that they are serving. And a lot of times if you find very rich people with servants, it's very unusual for them to be close to their servants. In fact, they are very distant to them. I know I saw on TV the other day a lady, she was going to interview to be a maid in a house, and she said, Hello, Kelly, to the woman. And the woman said, Mrs. Jones. See, she said, I want distance. I want to be distant from you. I'm not your friend. She made it plain up front. So servants are distant, even though they serve and they work hard, but friends are close. And Jesus is wanting closeness with you. Now, he was talking to his disciples and they were not born again. And now we know we are sons of God, right? We are not sons. We even have a higher relationship than friend. We are sons of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus. Jesus is our elder brother. He's our brother. That kind of bothers us a little bit, I think, to say. Because you know, that's, or there's an equality to that. And the Bible says that God loves us the same amount that He loves Jesus. And that Jesus loves us the same amount as He loves God. Woo, that's big, isn't it? you got to have revelation to get your mind wrapped around that Jesus loves you as much as He loves the Father. Hallelujah. And so Jesus is our brother. But God's still wanting this friendship because, you know, in this life, there's really nothing much better than two brothers that are friends. You know, it's really sad when you have two brothers that are brothers, but they're really not friends. You know, that's not God. That's just not God. That's not His way. And so he wants us to be friends with Jesus. He wants us to be a friend. But still, even though we're born again and we're sons and we're brothers with Jesus, often we still go back to that old thing of servants. Servant mentality. And so as a servant, we don't get to know him. We don't get very close. So we could be servants and we could be working for God, but not really know him. And when we're doing that, then partly what's wrong is our motives can be all messed up. You know, you can be working for God out of ambition. You can be working for God out of pride. You can be working for God out of fear. A lot of people work for God out of fear. You can be working for God to be seen of men. Or you can even be working for God trying to earn a reward from Him. You can work for God and not really know Him personally and intimately. Not know God personally and intimately. You can be saved. I'm not talking about salvation here. You can be saved and not know Jesus intimately. Really not know Him. You know one reason I know this? Because I was that way. I was saved and I didn't know Him intimately.
And you know what? Even now I can say to you, my greatest quest is to know him more. I don't know him like I want to know him. And I just have a feeling in the body of Christ all over that we got a lot of Christians that really don't know Jesus. They're coming to church. They're being faithful. But really and really truly to know him, probably not. We need to see the futility of laboring without knowing Him. When we see it, it needs to result in a shift in our lives, a shift in priorities, a shift in a lot of things. Turn to Luke 10, 38. We're going to look at Mary and Martha. And I know you're very familiar, but I believe we are a generation of Marthas. However, you know there's a great move of God for of people that really know Him. But for the most part, did you know it's young? It's the youth? I'm talking about high school, but I'm also talking about college. That age group are really knowing God. And man, they don't know all the religion that we know. They don't know the traditions. And you can tell that by looking at them. I don't even think they know the Word very good. They don't really know the Word very good. But boy, they know Him. They know Him. You can be like me, especially at different times in my life where, boy, I really knew the Word. You could be a word nerd and not know Jesus. Not really know Him. Not really have an intimate relationship. And certainly not have very much confidence because of that too. Luke 10, 38. So, talking to us about changing our perspective a little, changing our goals a little, moving up to a higher place. So many Christians just enjoy a splashed over blessing. Luke 10, 38, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house and she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful, anxious, and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. We have one person here that chose ministry over intimacy. And we have another here that chose intimacy. And that's the kind we want to be. We want to choose intimacy with God over every other thing. In Luke twenty-two fifty-four. Here's something that happened with Peter. Of course, he didn't end up this way. He changed. And that's what we want to do is we want to change. But it says, and when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane, and you know, Jesus had been praying. Of course, Peter and them were too tired to pray. And then Jesus sweat those great drops of blood. And then those people came to arrest Jesus in the garden. And Peter ended up cutting off one of them's ear. Jesus healed the ear. And then it says, they took him in verse 54. They took Jesus and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. We need to check up on ourselves and see if we're following afar off. Because when you follow afar off, you usually end up getting in trouble. And that's what Peter did, because he followed afar off, and then he denied him three times. So we don't want to follow afar off. We want to follow real close, be very close to Jesus. I want to go to Matthew 7, verse 22. Christianity is more than a church meeting. It's more than preaching. It's more than teaching. It's more than miracles even. And it's more than prophecy. It's more than that. Christianity is a person. Christianity is Jesus Christ. Matthew seven twenty two. 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. There's a lot of ways we could look at this and interpret it. And I believe probably several ways could be right, but I think there's a deeper thing here. This is a story, I believe, of some people that had a servant's mentality. Man, they were really getting after it as far as serving, wouldn't you say? They said they prophesied in His name. They uh, cast out devils, and they did many wonderful works in His name. And I don't believe this is necessarily talking about them not being saved. Could be, but usually people that aren't saved don't prophesy in His name. Usually they don't do wonderful works in His name. They may do some works, but like in a demonic fashion as far as new agey stuff and demonic stuff. Demons can do works sometimes like um, uh, miracles and so forth. But, you know, this doesn't seem to say that. It seems to be talking about people doing things in His name, really having a works mentality. But I just wonder if Jesus could be talking to us here, not about heaven and hell so much, but about how close we're going to get to walk with Him in heaven. just wonder if He could be saying, okay, you're going to come up to me in heaven. There's going to be people come up to me and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do this? And then Him say, uh, depart from me. I didn't know you. I wonder if He could be saying that. Because... Our intimacy level now with the Lord is going to determine our intimacy level then. I really believe that. And the word depart actually means to give space. It's not like, get out of here. You, you can't even be in my heaven. It's like, give me some space. And it means to get out of close proximity to me. That word new is another kind of clue. It says to perceive or have intimate knowledge of another. So here's these people, they're working in Jesus' name, but I don't know if it was because they were so busy, they weren't interested, they didn't know. And that's one thing we want to preach this in this church for is because we don't want somebody just to not know. I don't want people to think they're okay and they're not okay if there's anybody like this. Ezekiel, it talks about the prophets that prophesy peace where there is no peace. Now, if we say, oh, all is well, you're doing good. But if you're not intimate with Jesus, he says, we're really not doing good. We're going through motions. And I don't want God to ever say to me, depart from me, get out of my space, go to this other part of heaven, live over there. You can't sit close to me because you didn't sit close to me in your earth walk. You didn't walk close to me. You didn't have an intimate relationship with me. And I want to tell you, because of me. I'm not saying anything about you, but you can be praying in tongues 90 to nothing daily and not be intimate with Jesus. And you can be coming to church, and boy, I'm testifying that. I'm churchy. love to go to church. You can't keep me away. I'm churchy. But you can be coming to church and not really be intimate with Him. For us to be putting in an hour a day of prayer, coming to church, coming to prayer on Monday night, going to outreach, but still not have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Really know Him. And it's not like you ever arrive in that. It's got to be a constant pursuit. I will give you that. If you're not pursuing something, if you don't start climbing that ladder, folks, you're just going to walk on this earth level. And you know, there's no exemptions. Don't think, oh, you know, pastor, he climbs ladder easy. No, no, no. Everybody climbs the ladder the same way. 
Everybody has to take every rung. I'm going to give you an unofficial paraphrase. Step back. Get out of my space. We were never intimately acquainted. This particular spot is reserved for those who have relationship with me. Ooh, doesn't that be something? We can live close to the throne or we can live in the outer courts. In the Old Testament, they had a tabernacle and there was the outer court, the inner court, and there was the Holy of Holies. It says when Jesus died on the cross, the veil got rent. And so now all believers can go straight into the Holy of Holies, right into the throne room of grace. Amen. Not only that, we don't have to wait for a special day, a special occasion. We don't have to get in a special mood. We don't have to have the right music. We can just walk right in every day, several times a day. Think that there's just a perception, and I believe I really had this, that that's hard. You have to work up to it. You've got to really pray and really worship for a long time, and finally you'll get kind of caught up into the third heaven, sort of like Paul did. But that is not it at all. We can walk right in. It does require, you're not going to walk right in praying on the way to work. It requires some quiet time. It requires some focus. I read somewhere that a lot of Christians that practice this kind of intimacy with God on a daily basis says that it usually takes from 10 to 15 minutes of being quiet to just get their mind to settle down. You know, our first reaction is to just praise, 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 or pray, pray, pray. Uh, you know, sometimes I just say, now, Lord, I just got to tell you all this stuff so I can get it off my mind. Because once I tell you and get it off my mind, then I can press into this place of intimacy with you, listening to you. I don't know if you realize this, is when you're praying in tongues or English or groaning, I don't know, but you're putting out, you're putting out. And when you're singing and praising, you're putting out. You're putting out. Something's coming out of your spirit and going to God. Unless you're doing it mindlessly and you're focused really on something else. You know, this is work, folks. In a way, I have to try to purposely, when we sing and praise and worship, tune out everybody. I have to try to purposely not think about who's here, who's not here. Did the ushers do this? Did we get the schedule printed? I have to purposely kind of, no, 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 and just let my heart rise up to God. You know, it's a purposeful thing that you have to do it. But even then, we're singing. And so we could have an intimate time with God, but most services, we have a giving out time where we give to God. Amen. And then, of course, now we're putting in some stuff right now into you. But right now really is more about mind renewal than it is about spirit things. And certainly there is things being deposited in your spirit. And when the ministers pray, which we do, it's heart to heart, not head to head. You can preach good sermons without praying, but it will be head to head and people won't be changed a great deal. So when you pray, you get a heart to heart release. You know, on my phone, my cell phone, it has a little arrow. And when my phone is making a call or I'm sending something, the arrow's going like this and it's flashing. But when something's coming into me, it's going like this. There's a little down arrow pointing something's coming in. This thing is going down and, and it's saying something's being downloaded. And we need some times like that with God because most of what we're doing is all this. And no wonder we're not as strong as we want to be. No wonder we don't see things we need to see because it's in the downloading time that God downloads things into your spirit that you might not see immediately, but then 
turn around in three or four hours and it happens to me all the time. All the time. Now, sometimes when I'm letting God download into me, I do see things. I've seen several things. I mean, I think God doesn't care if we look at heaven and see things in heaven. And I have seen lots of stuff in heaven. You know, I saw one thing in heaven. I saw, you know what? We get to walk on water. We get to walk on the crystal sea. You'll see things like that and you'll go, wow, that's neat. And you know, is it life changing? Well, it is life changing in a way because there's something about God letting you in on the secrets of heaven that really changes your life. You don't want to backslide. You don't want to displease Him. You want to press in closer because you don't know what else you might see. Hallelujah. And of course, we guard what we see. If we see something weird, if you see something weird, you better put it on the shelf and wait. Let God explain it or let God verify it with His Word, confirm it through somebody else. But, you know, I don't think it's too far-fetched to see us walking on the crystal sea because Jesus and Peter already done that. Hallelujah. And we know it. Amen. So you'll start to see things. So we can live close to the throne or we can live in the outer courts. Turn to Romans 12, 7. In Romans 12, 7, or Romans 12 specifically, some people call these the motivational gifts. There are nine gifts that are given to people, and these are not the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Gifts given unto us that usually come for a lifetime. They come and stay a while. In verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or seven, I want to see this, or ministry. That word in some versions is serving. Some people have a special ministry gift of serving. And the one thing he says about serving and we can apply this to all of us, even if you don't think that's your special ministry gift. We can apply it to ourselves because serving is serving in one sense. And so is serving, let us wait on our serving. Let us wait. Because servers and all of us that like to serve, we tend to like to get in there like Martha and serve, 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 and not ever have time for the intimate side of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We tend to not wait like Mary was a waiter. She waited on Jesus. We could go to all sorts of scriptures. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Now, if wait doesn't mean wait, what do we think it means? It must mean wait. It must be spend some time letting me download the kingdom things, the wisdom. Pastor's been preaching on wisdom. Wisdom. Spend some time letting me download. Don't just be caught up in this world, but also don't be so busy. Pray, pray, pray. Serve, serve, serve. Go, go, go. Church, church, church. Not advocating you eliminate church. Don't get me wrong. But we got to have some times, and I believe we could even have some times at church, where we let Him download. Amen? And you say, I would have to have hours to do that. No, not really. You might have to have 10 minutes. I will tell you this, the more you get used to going into the presence of God, the quicker you can clear your mind. When you first start out, yeah, you're just so used to being such a doer, such a server, such a prayer, such a declarer, 
confessing the word, man, sometimes like we have a machine gun and we are just doing the word at heaven just like this. And I think God wants to say, shut up, get quiet, listen to me. And not just listening and, oh, I didn't hear anything. You have to trust that when you're in His presence and waiting on Him, that even though you're not hearing right then, something's being downloaded. And I'll tell you honestly, sometimes when I'm in the presence of God and I'm spending that time with Him, I'll be sitting there and all of a sudden I'll feel like a whoosh, like a surge nearly. like, And I'm like, whoosh, something came in. And I don't really usually know what it is. I don't know what that was. But like, whoosh. And it doesn't usually last but a second. But, you know, it doesn't happen every time, and I'm not looking for that. I think we just need to go in faith. We just need to go in faith and just believe. God, I'm coming into your presence. And sometimes I say a few things when I get there. God, I just come, put deposits in me, put stuff in me. And boy, I tell you, it just later is when, later is when things are hallelujah. And you will come out. You will be so, that will be your most refreshing time. Also, I wanted you to notice there that it's not just the ministry of help. I mean, the, the ministry or the serving person, but he says, he that teacheth. Then he just says, on teaching. Well, he's, it's understood that the teacher needs to wait on his teaching. And because the teacher, that's all he wants to think about is the word, the word, the word, the word. And even in church, when you're being used as a teacher, the temptation is, let's get this over with. Let's get this praise and worship over with. Let's get this quiet time over with. Cause I gotta teach the word. I mean, I'm fired up. I want to teach the word. I'm telling you, us teachers are like that. And he says, no, no, you calm down and you wait. You wait on your teaching. And you let the Holy Spirit come into the service. And man, then you can teach. One word will do more than all your... And we got too many teachers in the body of Christ that are just focused on teaching. And then he says also there, Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. You know, the exhorter just wants to say, Oh, everything's good, everything's great, everything's good, everything's great. And you know what the exhorter does? They need to wait because a lot of times they are exhorting people and they're not even exhorting them right because they hadn't even prayed. And you know, sometimes all isn't well. We need to wait. We need to wait on God. And we don't need to be just, oh yeah, I just want to encourage you. Well, you know, wait on the Lord. It'll be a real encouragement. It'll be a word from heaven. It'll be apples of gold and settings of silver. So I'm going to ask some questions. We're going to close. Am I pursuing a passionate relationship with Christ? Ask yourself that question. Am I right now currently pursuing a passionate relationship with Christ? Not talking about the Word. Not talking about am I coming to prayer on Monday night. Am I pursuing a passionate relationship with Christ? Answer your own question. Am I chasing everything but Jesus? Are my priorities exposing my heart motives? Am I seeking to be known by men or known by Him? And we need to answer those things truthfully. And if we answer them truthfully, if we'll get honest with ourselves, God's not going to condemn us, but He will help us. If we get honest, then He can direct us on the next steps of our spiritual journey. But as long as we're in denial, He can't do anything. Because we're like, I'm okay, I'm okay, don't bother me. And then let's ask ourselves something as a church, as a corporate body. As a church, are we trying to attract people or are we trying to attract the Lord? What we could be doing is every time a visitor comes in, we lock up like a, boy, we're stiff. 
why we're trying to attract people. If we care what people think, then we're more concerned about people than we are trying to attract the Lord. We could be doing that. And I will tell you honestly, there's been a few times when people came that I felt like everybody went into lockdown. That's not right. No, we need to just get free and really not care what people think. Because, you know, here's the way Pastor and I look at it. You say, well, man, if we don't speak in tongues, maybe they'll come back. Yeah, but in three weeks we will speak in tongues, and then they'll be shocked, you know. Let's just go ahead and give them the full dose. Because I tell you what, when I first heard tongues, chills went up my neck, and I'm like, I don't understand this, I don't know what it is, but, boy, I tell you, this is something I want to know about. And so you might be surprised. The Bible says tongues are a sign for the unbeliever. So you might really be surprised that people really want to know about those things more than they don't want to know. So uh, God can direct our steps in this spiritual journey. So we're going to make a shift from servant to friend. And this all has to do with us praying for an outpouring. How much can God outpour, or pour out, should I say? How much can He pour out on you if you're not having any intimacy as far as spending time with Him and just being with Jesus? Just letting Him love on you, loving on Him, and not making it all about confession. We really get caught up in confession, don't we? I tell you what, I believe, I really believe, folks, that some of us are trying to get miracles, trying to get healing, and it's like, okay, I'm believing you, God, come on, healing, 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 healing. But not getting in His presence and getting in His presence along with believing, along with faith, along with our confession that's rhymed up with the Word of God. And praise God, we can have the best of both worlds because we do know the Word. Because there are people that are really intimate with God, but they don't know the Word. They don't even know if it's God's will to heal them, but they really know Jesus intimately. And you know, when we get to heaven, I think we're going to be surprised at how few ministers are sitting right by Jesus because a bunch of ministers aren't too intimate. Bunches of them, because I know them. They're my friends, a lot of them. I'm going, and how many little old ladies know Jesus so well and are going to be right there beside Him? Hallelujah. And I don't want it to be where I'm living on this side of heaven, and I've been here three years, and I hadn't seen Jesus yet, because He's just never come by the house you know, I'm here. Praise God, I'm here. And you know, thank God for we go. Hallelujah. I'm going to thank God if I'm in the door, aren't y'all? But I really, really, in my heart of hearts, I want more than that. In my heart of hearts, I want to come back and be one of those that rule and reign with Him in those 1,000 years. But there's a price to pay. Somebody said it this way. They said, gifts are free, but maturity will cost you everything.